Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Exploring Awesome, the show where I, Jim Kellner, explore tips, tricks, and strategies to help you and me to live a more awesome life. Today on the show, something uh, that's very near and dear to my heart because I've suffered with this myself, we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to be exploring depression with Tracy Maxfield, author of the incredible book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Jim. How are you? Doing fantastic. Tracy, can you tell us, uh, let me just get the spelling out there real quick. It's T-R-A-C-E-Y, Maxfield, M-A-X-F-I-E-L-D, and you can find her at tracymaxfield.com. And uh, I do want to to let everyone know, if you'd like to call in, uh, if you have mental health issues, depression, anything like that, we'd love to just chat with you, uh, um, see what your experience has been, and and, uh, if we can give you some tips and tricks to help you to live a better life. Uh, the number to call in, if you'd like to call in, and this is uh, uh, May 30th, 2018 at about 11 a.m. Uh, otherwise, you'll be listening to the archive version, and you can't call in. The number is 347-855-8711. Again, that's 347-855-8711. Tracy, uh, will you give us uh, just give us your back, give us a little bit of your background, if you will? Sure. So. Um... Originally, I was born in Wales a very, very, very long time ago. Uh, I always wanted to be a nurse, one of my passions um, in life, and so completed my nurse training in Wales. I then moved to Canada in 1987, uh, continued my nursing in Canada, always had a passion for dementia care when I was in Wales back in 1982. I actually um, volunteered at the very first adult day program for people with, um, at that time, it was called senile dementia. And it was a trial to see if going to a day center for the day um, would help give families a respite and also would still enhance the quality of life for people with dementia. And that really um, kind of got me interested. And so throughout my nursing career, I've worked in all different areas and it's always involved working with people, uh, regardless of age, with dementia. Um, and so I am um, a certified geront- uh, gerontological, that's a mouthful, nurse, and also a certified, <laughs> dementia, pra- certified dementia practitioner. Um, uh, I've written numerous articles for an online um, news media here in Kelowna in Canada. And also, um, I actually participate on Peter Rosenberger's uh, radio show in Nashville, Caregivers um, for Hope, uh, which is, I phone in every third Sunday of the month, and I'm their, quote, Canadian correspondent on dementia. <laughs> so, so <laughs> that's... Uh, yeah, that's what they call. Well, they also call me the cute Canadian correspondent. But I didn't want to brag. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so nice. that's uh, yes. And so right now I'm living in Kelowna in beautiful British Columbia. Um, this June I will have been in Canada for 31 years. So wow. that kind of gives you an idea how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> Older than 31, at least. 
<laughs> older than 31, yes. <laughs> Tracy, you've, um, you've, um, you've had some, a lot of experience with depression. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. I mean, um, is that, has that been a lifelong thing? Has that was situational? What's, uh, can you tell us about that? So certainly um, I, I had my first depressive episode Oh, probably in the very early 1990s. And basically, um, I had a very dysfunctional, quote unquote, childhood. I had an extremely uh, verbally and emotionally abusive father. And um, as you know, like words are very damaging. Um, they can just get imprinted on your brain like acid. And even though I had gone through therapy and thought that I had dealt with everything, um, there was a, a family event that occurred in the early 1990s um, that kind of triggered my first depressive episode. Um, I was fortunate in that with counseling and medication, it actually resolved within a very short space of time, except unbeknownst to me, 10 years later, um, had another traumatic event in my life and experienced another bout, which was slightly worse. At that time, the psychiatrist felt, based on my family history, that I had a genetic component of depression because so many females in the family had experienced it and suggested I go on medication, a low dose, probably for an indefinite period, and did warn at that time that Significantly traumatic events um, would trigger further attacks. And so um, he was right. Ultimately, in um, August 2015, I had the most severe depressive episode. Um, and at that time, that's when I kind of, what I liken it to, I fell down the rabbit hole. It was the worst. It's taken me over... It will be three years this year since it occurred, and I'm still in the healing process. I'm out of the acute stage. I'm kind of what they call in the chronic remission stage. I'm still taking antidepressants, still have counseling, um, but I'm out of the darkness, the bleakness, the complete hopelessness, and I'm now starting to move forward on a different journey. It's kind of a different life path. Um, as you know, Jim, you've said that you've experienced depression in the past. Depression never leaves your side. It's always there. It's like that little um, person that sits on your shoulder. And some days it, it can be a, a, just a fleeting visit. And other days it's kind of like they've come for a vacation and they're going to stay for a while. And it's learning to Accommodate that in your life and still move forward without surrendering to those negative, dark thoughts that start going crazy in your brain. And I'm sure everyone that's gone through depression or knows someone that has lived with depression um, knows about those thoughts and those voices. It's, it's our voice. It's your own voice. You're not hallucinating, but you, you are your own worst enemy. And when you allow your brain and your voice to start going on a tirade against you, you can just, oh, my goodness, you know, right? You can just bottom out really quickly. You 
you feel that there's no point living, you start planning suicide, and it's a huge emotional and physical struggle to kind of get yourself back on your feet and say, I'm not giving into this, I've got to move forward. And so, yes, this, this has been the scariest, the worst depressive episode. And I think because of what happened to me and what I experienced throughout my journey, that ultimately led me to write the book because I wanted people out there to know um, if they were going through the same thing, that what they're experiencing is quote-unquote normal, as horrible as it is. It is normal, and you will get through it. You really, really will, but it's going to take time, and you've got to be ready to fight the battle because it's a battle. There's no other way to describe yeah. it. It's, it's, a, it's a battle for your life. It really is. It is. And some days, yeah, and, you know, some days you're going to lay down the weapon on the battlefield and say, okay, I'm surrendering for a couple of days. And other days you're going to pick up the weapon and say, I'm going after you and you're not taking me down. Yeah. You know, you said something interesting there. and I never really thought of it like this, but that but it is sort of always there. Um, it's like, I think it's, it's like uh, any other chronic illness. You know, you can, uh, you may have diabetes or something like that and you can manage it. Um, but there's still going to be times, especially, and especially if, um, if, you're, if you're managing it and then you have, a, you know, say, a piece of pie or something, then it's going to, yep. um, or you have some sort of stress or something. I mean, it's going to uh, possibly cause a flare-up. And, you know, I know for myself, um, as I started getting healthier and I started, you know, you know I took off weight and I, and I started eating better and, and exercising, getting more sunshine and, and all of those things, it definitely helped, but there are those times when all of a sudden, for some reason, I just go, "Yeah, well, what's the point?" You know, I mean, um, that that sort of like, you know, I not necessarily um, even even when it's when it's not like suicidal uh, ideation, more like um, maybe like in a severe case, but uh, but on a, maybe even a regular basis, just like, eh, you know, maybe if I just disappeared, you know, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily want to do it myself, but if I got hit by a bus, eh, whatever, you know what I mean. <laughs> No, absolutely. I, I can completely understand that. And yes, I mean, you made a good point is, I mean, depression or really any mental illness are invisible diseases because right. you, you, can, you can walk outside right now and go to your local grocery store and out of 100 people there, at least 60% of them are, are going through something but you would probably only be able to pick up maybe two or three because they may look visibly distraught or unkempt or just a little glazed over. But the rest of the people are walking around. They're, they're nicely dressed. They're doing their stuff. They're nodding politely. They're smiling, saying hello. And to all intents and purposes, it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with them. And yet we have no idea because we can't see what's going on inside their head. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's still so much um, stigma and misconceptions about how people with a mental illness are supposed to look and behave. Absolutely. You're so right. And it's funny, I just saw, I just saw a short little video on Facebook uh, that was showing like, you know, what would it be like if 
mental illness was uh, treated the same way as um, as physical. Like it showed like somebody, yes. uh, you know, cutting their hand and, and, and their friend goes, oh, just shake it off, you know, smile, it'll be okay and that yeah. kind of a thing. And, yeah. you know, you just, and, and I, I got to tell you, folks out there, because, you know, I've had family members do this. They, you know, just, well, hey, if you just, if you just think positive thoughts, it'll be okay. And I <laughs> think, you know, if you're in a bad mood, or if you're in a, if you're in a, um, a or on a, on a regular basis, if you just have that sort of that, 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 that depression, you know, like you said, on your shoulder, where it's just sort of there always and in, in saying, you know, you suck, you're awesome, you're awful and all that uh-huh. stuff. I think positive thoughts definitely help, but it's not a cure. It's not, it doesn't, if, and especially if you're in a really deep depressive episode, I think it's, this is what I've always told people is, is I feel like it's one of those, it's like the only illness that I know of that when you're in the depths of it, you don't even want to get better. Because you don't feel like it's, it's worthwhile. You don't feel like you can get better. And that's it. It's, you don't think it's worthwhile because you don't feel that you're worthy of getting better. But also because your brain doesn't function properly. I mean, I, was right. very, I'm, I, I am a huge organizer, um, multitask, phenomenal memory from all my years in nursing. And I couldn't even remember simple things like even a three-step process to do a task that was ingrained in my brain, there would be hesitation of what do I do next. And when you're in such dark, deep depression, you actually, it actually hurts your brain, and it buzzes so much for you to even start to think, well, how, how do I take that first step? Like, wh- where do I turn? What do I do? Because it's so completely overwhelming you just, I mean, even to kind of walk in the very mm-hmm. early stages, you feel so weighed down. And lots of people have said this. And I felt like someone had put me into cement boots and put cement shoulder pads on me. I was oh, yeah. crawling. And yeah. people don't understand the physical effect of what depression can, can do to a person. And so that's why, as I said, I really wanted to get the word out there that it, it encompasses your whole being. We talk about holistic healing and a holistic approach to healthcare, and the same is true with depression. You have to approach it from almost a holistic viewpoint because it's, I mean, it's physical, it's mental, it's social, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's everything in your life and you have to work on whatever piece is important to you and that kind of starts getting that little bit of healing in place. It's almost like you've broken a vase and you're slowly starting to re-glue the pieces together to try and form that wholeness that you once had. But it is. It's, uh, It's a very long and arduous journey and you have to fight it and you have to have the strength and the support to fight it because I completely understand when people say, you know what, I'm just done. It's, I call it my when is, when is it enough? When is enough enough day? You know? Yeah. When is it like, okay, you know what, I fought this for so long. I, I just, I literally cannot face another day. I'm done. And that in itself is it's a struggle, but also the strength to say, okay, I I can't do it anymore. It's 
it's terribly, terribly sad, and no one should have to go through that. Right, you're so right. And uh, you know, you you mentioned something that was that I found interesting. Uh, you said you talked about the pain, and I do remember, like, um, in the midst of of some of my darkest uh, days, uh, just feeling like physical pain. And and I I, okay. I thought it was just that's some. It's like that's weird. But then I actually did read something where that is a that is uh, that's a completely valid. That's a symptom. Uh, it's one of the things. That, I mean, and it and I felt you know I felt like it was. Uh, walking in quicksand because people will be like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you got to make a call or you, I mean, just go for a five minute walk or something. I mean, and these, and these are the same things that I, that I tell, you know, when I'm working with clients, you know, hypnotherapy clients and stuff, you know, and these are all, and I'm not saying people shouldn't do that and, they, and they're all helpful. And I, and I still think that we should, we should encourage that, but, but to think that that's going to cure it. And also, you know, when you are in the midst of it, a five minute walk seems like, like you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And, yeah. um, and I think, uh, and I think, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, absolutely. I, I felt when I, I mean, certainly the way you walk is very different. Um, it's almost kind of like mm. a slow plod, but I felt like I was walking down an airplane when it's in mid flight and there's just a little bit of turbulence and you know, you have that kind of weird based out feeling that you know you've got to get to the bathrooms at the end and so you're just concentrating but it doesn't feel like you're connected as you're walking and that's how I used to feel going into stores and going to the doctors and you do feel that you're disconnected from society Mm. from you know from the world that's around you it's a very very strange feeling but it is quote normal and that's what I want people to understand. You know, they're not losing their, literally not losing their mind. Um, they're not developing dementia. This is all part of, I mean, the brain is, without your brain, you can't live. I mean, your brain controls everything. And it stands to reason that if there's something that's happened to your brain, then it is going to affect other parts of your body because we're all connected. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things uh, too that I that I, I think is is so important is that uh, whether it's with ourselves or with with someone we love, is that we try and think of it like in that video. We try and think of it if it was a, because it is like you said, it's an invisible disease. You can't necessarily mm-hmm. look at somebody because people oftentimes, you know, I mean, I'll tell you, like I was I was on stage doing jokes in in some of my worst times, um, mm-hmm. uh, or at least writing. I, I tell you, I didn't I honest I didn't get out as much uh, when I was severely depressed, but I, I mean, that's one of my, my, some of my greatest comedy. I think I, I wrote my, my greatest stuff. In fact, it's, as I've felt better, it's actually my, I think I haven't been as good at comedy. I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> for me, I think there was maybe a bit of a connection there. The worse I felt, the, I think the, the funnier my jokes were. Um, but uh, I think also part of that is that, that people don't want to hear how awesome your life is. You know, that's not funny. You know, <laughs> they want to hear about how you, you know, <laughs> how are they right. But, um, but the other thing is, is, is if we can, and I do this, you know, with, with, uh, when, I'm, when I'm working with a client or if I'm, you know, with a family member, a friend or somebody that has it, um, is, is suffering from, from the, uh, whether it's depression or some other mental illness, I try to imagine, okay, what if they were, what if they were paralyzed or what if they had a broken leg? Yeah. You know, how would I treat them then? Because it's so hard uh, because it is invisible and you can't, and sometimes it's, it's easy yeah. to look at them and go, just you pull yourself together. Just, just, you've got to do this and that. And, and, and uh-huh. it's very, I think it's, it's, it's very difficult uh, for ourselves and for others. Um, have you found that to be true also? Oh gosh. Yes. And um, I, I mean, 
another reason why I wrote the book. And my book originally started off as a blog um, upon the suggestion of my psychologist because I was getting so completely frustrated with strangers and even friends who would be looking at me going, well, you don't look depressed. You seem fine. Right. I just go on my side, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, oh, come out, come out for a drink with us. It'll be good. And you're kind of trying to explain to them how you actually feel and how your brain feels. And so my psychologist said, well, why don't you start a blog and just invite some people to it privately and just pour your heart out and let them know what it's really like. And so that's how it started. And um, my book is my blog. It's in three parts. But the first part of the book are my actual blog entries over a period of uh, one year. And in it, I'm actually typing the blog as I have all these emotions in my brain and how my brain felt and how my body felt and I would get uh, my psychologist and a doctor acquaintance who read the blog contact me after and say I didn't realize that is how it felt and Mm. you know the more I kind of opened up and it was hard because it's very raw and it's it's very true it is my soul on a platter for want of a better word but I thought that was the only way people could really understand if you really said this is what you do this is how it feels this is how you're trying to function for the next 10 minutes and I know lots of the healthcare professionals who read it came back and said that's not in medical textbooks and we've kind of got a new perspective now on okay so they're lying in bed and they're on their medication, and to all intents and purposes, they should be feeling better, and yet they can't get off the bed to even go and brush their teeth. And it's like, come on, get off the bed. And they said, now we understand. It's not as simple as that. It's, it's not they're being lazy or they're being difficult. It's, it's, it goes way deeper. And so I, I thought, well, at least it's... It, People are starting to understand it a little more um, about, I mean, I call it my fractured brain. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you, know, you can have a fractured leg, you encase it in plaster totally. Paris. I have a, right, I have a fractured brain. Um, no, the pieces are, are slowly fusing back together. You can't see it, but think of the pain that goes on when you have a fracture. Think of the difficulty using it or mobilizing with it. And at least then people can kind of start to identify with, okay, so how it can affect your, you know, your daily life and how it can affect your mood and things like that. And I don't think unless you've 100% truly gone through something like this, will people ever really get it. But I'm hoping that with more social awareness and more education that they're going to have a better understanding of it and that they'll be able to talk with family members or friends or even strangers they may meet and be more supportive in how they respond instead of you know I mean it's all in your head or my favorite was you've obviously um, invited the devil into your life and you're embracing Satan that's why you're depressed (laughs) I mean, yeah. um, I've had, right? I mean, some of the things people come out with are so absurd that there's a wonder I didn't actually run into the road and look at the bus and say, take me. Um, yeah. But, you know, and so I'm, 
hoping that if we can start changing people's understanding and their mindset, then the more supported people with mental illness will feel. And also those who are too scared, maybe, or uncomfortable to speak out about it or even to even tell their family or go to their doctor will feel a little bit more empowered that, okay, you know what, this is this is normal. People have this. Regular, normal, everyday people have this. And just like cancer, heart attack, high blood pressure, obesity, right? I I have depression. I have bipolar. I have, I mean, anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress, whatever, and go and get the support and the help they need that can kind of start them on that path to healing. Absolutely. I just want to remind everybody that you're listening to Exploring Awesome. I'm Jim Kellner. I'm uh, talking today with with author, dementia specialist, nurse, uh, Tracy Maxfield. Head over to her website, uh, tracymaxfield.com. She's got a lot of good stuff there. She's got her blog. She's got information on bullying, depression. She's got some mental health resources, which I think is, is, is excellent. Um, and, I, and I do think you touched on something there that was, I think is important for people to realize. If you've never actually suffered from depression, you just don't get it. If you've been in a bad mood or you've, had, you've maybe gone through a few days where you just weren't, um, you know, you were kind of down or something. I don't think you understand what it's like to be clinically depressed. And, um, and so reading, you know, educating yourself, reading about things like this um, can help so much. And the other thing is, too, is, you know, I, I think it's so important for us to understand that um, I think it's great that we're, we're talking about this more, you know, and I, you know, before I, before I got into hypnotherapy, I had no idea from uh, things like depression and anxiety. A- anxiety is just a seeming running rampant in society yeah. right now. And I don't know if it's, do you have any idea? Is this, is this a new thing or is this uh, that we've just labeled? I know because when I was a kid, I had, I was shy and I guess now we would call it social anxiety. So uh, yeah. we're just, are we just labeling it now? Or is it, what's do you, any ideas about that? I think, I think because of the progress we've made, we're having better understanding. Um, I think decades ago, especially, um, you know, when we were kids, Jim, and I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you, but still we're, we're within like the same generation, I think. Um, yeah. It, people didn't want to talk about it. Everything was hush hush behind closed doors. Don't let the neighbors know. And so lots of things were just suppressed and eventually they would come out in later years in some form or another. But no one really realized what they were going through as a child. And I'm sure if I look back on it now, I had to, I experienced depression when I was a child at the time. Mm. Um, I didn't understand because no one discussed it. And it, it just wasn't one of those things, you know, anything to do with your head was like, Oh no, shush, shush. No one needs to know about that. <laughs> um, I, th- right. I mean, I cer- I certainly do think, that the changes in society, like the societal pressures, and there is such an increase of um, bullying now, and the social media, the need to conform and be accepted, and then, you know, the the stuff that happens on social media, I can see why more and more teenagers and children are being, um, well, affected, I should say, experiencing some form of um, depression or anxiety 
And in fact, lots of studies are now showing like huge increases of, of teenagers that are actually committing suicide. And in Britain especially, I think it's men between the ages of 30 and 45 or 47 is the highest numbers of suicide. And so we need to do something. I think we, the medical profession has become better at diagnosing um, mm-hmm. And there's so many, I mean, and certainly with depression, there's so many different types. I mean, you can have a postpartum depression after you've had a, a baby, and you can, but that will be slightly different than an acute depressive episode or a bipolar uh, depression because you also have the mania. And so I think there's so, and that in itself, will precipitate anxiety. Yeah. I mean, um, you know. thank you. Yes. I, I, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to let everybody know too, if you want to, uh, if you want to try hypnosis, I need to uh, get this out there. If you want to try hypnosis, I have a quick, uh, it's a 12 minute uh, uh, hypnosis uh, process called unlimited happiness. It'll help you to feel more positive. It won't get you past depression, but I have it on my website, Jim Kellner, hypnotist.com. I want to remind you, I'm talking to Tracy Maxfield today, uh, head over to her website. Now, um, you know, one of the things that I found interesting um, is that so many famous people throughout history have suffered from depression. And one of the things that I found, uh, I found an article on this. One of the things that they said that what a lot of them actually did was they decided to devote themselves to making the world a better place. Um, and so if that can be your only goal. Um, that may help. And, and I think that's one of the, the valid things is when you help other people, you tend to feel better. You know, the 30 minutes always goes by so quickly. Tracy, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, oh, thank you. Have a really, you. Uh, Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, you have a really powerful story. Please, people, check this out. If you've ever suffered from it, if you'd like to learn more about depression, check out her book, um, <clears throat> Down the Rabbit Hole, or Escaping the Rabbit Hole. I'm sorry, Escaping the Rabbit Hole with uh, Tracy Maxfield. Um, folks, you've been listening to uh, Exploring Awesome. Uh, take care. Be well. Be awesome.